The international break is over. I'm Asan. It's Friday, and that means that this is the Friday show on the 9320 podcast. A casual affair today with just me and Howard Hocking previewing Leicester and also having a little glance at the upcoming transfer window in preparation for next week's big return of the Transfer Talk podcasts. Morning, Howard. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Not bad. Yourself? Excellent. Yeah, very good, mate. Very yeah, good. Um, good. The sun's out this morning. I, I like it when the sun's out in are Manchester. You? Where are you? I'm in Manchester, mate. <laughs> well, it's not out where I am. So. No, it's, def- <laughs> it's definitely out where I am. It's blinding me. There's a um, smog over sail, so. <laughs> sail feels like miles away from Stockport, yeah. mate. I've got to be honest with you. And I say Manchester. Technically, I'm in Stockport. <laughs> yeah, it's Manchester. Yeah, I'm such a bee, mate. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's let's dive straight in with a little opening question, shall we? Um, I I did this opening question because some of the other questions we got on Twitter, I'm going to ask a little bit later in the main podcast. But um, just following on from last Friday's question about potential backups for if Pep does leave, um, do you think that Pep should extend his contract at the end of this season just to avoid distractions next season? Or do you think we should allow him to do what he did at Barca and literally just go season by season and run his deal down and then decide in like February, March, okay, I'm renewing? Yeah, well, he's the boss, basically, isn't he? So we should do what he wants. Um, Obviously, we can't tie him down to one if he doesn't want one. But it really would. And I wouldn't be worried, personally, if he doesn't extend it yet. Uh, All the signs are he's happy and he... You know, he, he's looking to extend it at some point, stay longer than three years. What I would say is it would help because, you know, it just you know what the press is like. They'll just go on and on and on. If you know, And it would be quite a statement if he just signed an extension this early. I say early, he's been here quite, you know, it's been 18 months, but it's still, a lot of people thought he was going to stay three years and go because that's what Pep does, you know, and he gets stressed out and he needs a break. If he, if he did sign it now, It'd be great because it would be, you know, it'd put a lot of things to bed. Uh, it'd make, bring even more stability to this squad and the club. Uh, but he doesn't have to, and I wouldn't be worried if he doesn't. Uh, Don't you think the club should insist that he does sign one, regardless of whether he's going to stay beyond the three years, just to give, whether it's stability in the transfer market or it's just stability in the dressing room, we've seen what it's like when a squad knows that a manager's deal is up at the end of the season. Um, and there's plenty of examples outside of City of things going tits up when that does happen. Now, I'm not saying that it's happened to Guardiola before, but I'm just putting it out there that, because you said at the beginning, he's the boss. Well, he is and he isn't. Like, really? the Sheikh Mansour and Khaldun, they're the bosses. And I think that, don't you think in this circumstance, regardless of what his private intention is, publicly should just sign that deal well if he wants to <laughs> no I don't think he should be forced to do anything he's got a contract and he's perfectly entitled to honour it my guess it is he's going to anyway so mm. uh, but he is the boss I know he's not the boss of the club as such you know I say it tongue in cheek but he's no the, no of course he is the boss I mean he spent eight years getting him there they're not going to no one's going to insist or tell him what to do and I don't think he should and I would say where it's gone wrong in other clubs, it's where they've known a manager is going, where they've publicly declared it's the last season. It's a bit different having someone on the last season of a contract and expecting that he might extend it at the end anyway or halfway through the last season. 
Yeah. I don't think there'd be that much unrest if he was still on his existing contract next season. I don't think the players would really be giving that much thought unless there was a lot of talk of him leaving in the media. Mm. Uh, but but, but for that last profile. reason, yes, it would help, obviously. Yeah. For me, he's such a high-profile manager, though, and and we've seen the goldfish bowl that, that is the British media. Um, don't you think that if he didn't sign a new deal... I'm not trying to lead you up a garden path of negativity here. I just, I genuinely believe that if we go through next summer and he doesn't sign a new deal, as soon as that season starts, it it will take only one bad result, one bad performance. And the question will not be about City or about the team. It'll be about Guardiola's future. And yeah, I don't know. I just No, no that's me- true. I mean, it doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> For a crisis to be uh, created by the media. So I appreciate that, but you know, at the end of the day, it's down to him and when he's comfortable about signing it. If he's of happy, course. if he is happy, he'll sign it, and it's of just course. as simple as that. I don't think he's that. You know, unless the unless we go off a cliff, you know, if the season collapses, I don't think he's that stressed, and I think he's quite happy and settled at the moment. So I think it wouldn't surprise me if we'll hear something pretty soon. Anyway. Maybe yeah, around, think, maybe around the new year time. I don't know. I think I think I don't think they'll do it. I'd be surprised if they did it mid season, just because it's not really City style to do contracts mid season. Um, but I can see it certainly being a case of more or less getting agreed um, early next year and getting signed as yeah. soon as the season ends. It's it's definitely a hypothetical for me because I I don't envisage a situation where we go into next season without him having extended that deal. Um, but it did. That is a tiny worry in the back of my mind. I do want him to extend sooner rather than later just to have that stability because it does feel now like we're building something that could last for many, many years. And it'd be a shame if, you know, we began to undermine... It was undermined just by speculation about Guardiola's future going into next season. Yeah, that's fair enough, yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay, let's... uh, Should we talk about internationals? Because I know how much you love internationals, (laughs) Howard. Oh, yeah. Who, who doesn't <laughs> love international breaks? <laughs> um, b- before we talk about the things that I put on the agenda, anything in particular catch your eye? Any game catch your eye? Any performance catch your eye? I'm going to be controversial and say that England... I only watch England as background television. You know, it's... I think in England game something to put on while she gets some housework done or something, get something <laughs> useful done. But I actually think uh, that they weren't that bad because I have low, low expectations. Not just the players, more of Southgate. Don't think he's a very progressive manager. Mm. Uh, but I thought he did okay. I think I think this team has to start from the back, and it has to, you know. And we saw great solidity from a couple of scratch sides and. Uh, Two nil nils is pretty damn boring over the international break. You want entertainment because you know there's not really that much at stake. But in a in a finals, if you're hard to beat, uh, that can take you quite a long way uh, until the inevitable penalty exit. So uh, I thought, yeah, I'd, that's all. I didn't watch a lot of the internationals, but I thought England were okay. Uh, and with the problem is the midfield, centre midfield's just pretty weak, I think. Uh, but there's an, there's enough there for us to be competitive. Uh, mm. I think the best team maybe is a few years away because we, we do have a great youth setup at last. So 
Definitely, I think so, and I think I think we're beginning to see. I mean, I I, I watched both the I watched both the England games for different reasons, and and a couple of things stood out for me. I I, I agree with you actually. I I, I thought against um, against Germany, it was just a thoroughly enjoyable game. To be honest with you, um, it was yeah. one of those where I sort of st- sat down expecting it to be stale and boring and but actually both teams tried to play football um and i was really impressed with uh, uh, i mean he the guy who got all the headlines was um was loftus cheek who yeah. i think i think he did well um but the guy who really impressed me was um funnily enough um the center half that leicester bought mcguire yeah uh, i think in in both games he he looked he, he played with a bravery and a confidence that You've, I've seen Stones play with under Guardiola, but it's rare that you see centre halves play with that sort of progressive confidence. I just, I just mean like you know he was he was prepared to take make risky passes over and over and over again, and he was prepared to carry the ball over and over and over again, and he showed composure, a lot of composure um, against very good sides, both in the Germany game and in the Brazil game. He was up against some top, top players and he, uh, he performed, I mean, obviously Stones was excellent as well, um, but I wasn't really expecting that much from Maguire and he, across both the games, he's the takeaway for me. I sort of watched him and went, do you think he could play for City, for example? I've not seen, I've not seen enough to answer that question, to be honest. Okay. Fair uh, but <laughs> I assume you're thinking he could. Well, it don't I have always, to be. We don't have to be. Yeah, we're all thinking of big signings, aren't we? Like, yeah, or Benucci or someone. But the answer could be that. Yeah, it could be that simple. It could be mm. someone like that. Well, I just I feel as though uh, I'm not sure he's the quickest, and I'm not sure he's the most agile. But at the same time, him and Stones by the end of that Brazil game, it looked like they were two players that were very very comfortable playing next to each other that's the first yeah. thing um and the second thing is that I, and i i really i couldn't find them anywhere i was looking for his passing statistics but i would hazard a guess that he his passing stats were as good as stones if not better over those two games right. um and they both were playing like it's not like you know sometimes with center halves it's dead easy just always give it to the to the defensive midfielder in front of you, just get rid of it. Basically, don't don't do anything risky. Don't do anything progressive. And I felt as though Maguire did a lot of that as well. So it it really he really caught my eye, and it really made me think. You know, he's not. It doesn't look. It's one. It's a weird one because he doesn't necessarily. He doesn't look like a. He's not graceful in the way that Stones is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He does, doesn't look like a Rolls Royce footballer. But everything he did. He did to a level that sort of made me go, maybe he's a bit better than Leicester. Maybe mm. everybody's missed a trick. Because, you know, he's gone to Leicester and I reckon everybody will have had a sniff and everybody knew that he was highly rated. Um, and Leicester are the ones who paid the money. So, yeah, no, for me, it's uh, he, he was the uh, he was definitely the one. Another Yorkshireman in our back five then. <laughs> I'd love it, mate. I'd absolutely <laughs> love it. Get over. the flat caps and the pipes out. But if Absolutely. he if he does yeah, you know, if he establishes himself and becomes an England regular if they become England part I like the idea of of the England centre half pairing mirroring what we had. Yeah. You know, totally. 
think it's very beneficial. Uh, totally. That's getting totally. way ahead of ourselves to say that we're signing Harry Maguire and Andy establishes himself in the England team, but you know, it it would help, wouldn't it? So I'd be I'd be it'd be a it'd be a struggle for me to think of a centre half, an English centre half, who deserves to go in ahead of Maguire based on those two performances. No, I imagine I I imagine Cahill and Stones were the preferred that's two a, at this moment, yeah. yeah. That's Cahill's getting two. on obviously, isn't he? So And he just if Cahill's one of them where yeah. you just you just feel like you just I, I don't know, like I I wonder whether he's actually just gone off the side of a cliff and we haven't noticed and he's just not that good anymore. Um I can't because, decide, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean what they did well they did well with David Luiz. Like when they defended well, David Luiz was the guy last season. Um, it's not like Cahill was putting in absolutely world class performances. Although Chelsea fan might correct me, but whenever I saw him, he was a bit meh. So yeah, no, it'd be interesting. Um, okay, just to move this forward a little bit, the it, anything else that you pulled out before I talk about the one other thing that that jumped out at me from from this international break. Uh no, I can't, I can't, to be honest, I'll be honest, quite a lot of time, I think following City can be quite stressful, or following any club can, mm. if you if you have a nervous disposition like me. <laughs> uh, sometimes I welcome the break, because it's just, you know, it's watching football that isn't, I don't really care about, so I can just relax and watch it and take out, and you're more worried about City players not getting injured, uh, and them playing well because you just can't be bothered with the shitstorm in the media if they don't. Uh, but this one, I think, was pretty badly timed international break after the Arsenal game, which I felt was a big win. And I felt we needed to play... You know, I just wanted us to play again immediately, basically. I understand. And it's felt like a very long break, this. Uh, all I would say is at least the friendlies, uh, I think... Serge Argentina, were they playing in Russia? Someone was playing in Lille. So they've all been playing a bit nearer. So hopefully, yeah, the, the, hopefully South Americans- the players coming back will be. Uh, Fernandinho, for example, just came on for a bit, didn't he? So hopefully, won't have the effects of previous international breaks on the players. Mm. Um, my other thing from the international break is last Friday, uh, Belgium drew 3 3 with Mexico. Uh, and in the aftermath of that game, uh, De Bruyne spoke to a Belgian newspaper and said some things that made me raise my eyebrow. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out the two bits from the quote that, yeah. that I've pulled out. So what he said after the 3-3 draw was, Mexico were just tactically better. Their system made our five defenders sit deep and we were swimming in midfield. It was five against seven. It was a match in which we had very little possession and everyone in a system that doesn't really fit. We now know that something must be changed against such teams, but eventually Martinez decides. I think the trainer has to find a solution so that we can avoid such situations as against Mexico in the future. Um, Before I dig into that, is he out of order there? It does make me a bit uncomfortable that, yeah. I, I don't know. It's the last player I thought you'd expect to uh, to come out with someone that I always had him as a quiet uh, do what he tell type thing it does make me wonder if he's effectively being a spokesman for that team. Hmm. It, it this suggests Kevin De Bruyne is not the sort of person just to off his own back just to come out with this. Is he just 
is there exasperation in a very, very talented squad that the manager's not getting the most out of them and they've got and they're talking about this in private and think you know, and Kevin said, Look, I'm gonna to have to speak out about this mm. because we're gonna waste a wonderful opportunity in the finals next summer. Uh and that would be I my really thought about that. That would That's... be my theory that he's effectively conveying the views of the squad. Uh because let's face it, they haven't got a manager that, befitting the talent in that squad, I don't think. Uh, but it still does make me a bit uneasy. I don't, it's strange, and a strange coming from him. Mm. And what, what do you think? Are you very comfortable with a player speaking his mind like this? Um, it depends upon the player. And I think that what I mean, I mean by that is that senior players, so for me, De Bruyne is a senior player, both in the City side and in the Belgium side, I think it's okay once in a while if something needs to be said to come out and say it. So I don't, in theory, have a problem with with what he said. I also don't think it's quite as out of character as maybe... I think with De Bruyne, I've read a really... I don't know if you've... I think it was... a. Funnily enough, Christophe Terreur spoke to Duncan Castles about... De Bruyne and how he ended up leaving Chelsea and just what type of character he is and what type of character he's been since he's a kid. And he is very, I guess, confident is the best way to describe it. And what I mean by that is he seems like somebody who knows his own mind and knows he left Chelsea. He forced a move from Chelsea and they told him that they wanted him to go on loan. And he basically turned around and went, no, I want to go and play football somewhere else. You have to sell me. Um, and it, it takes a lot to do that. And he, you know, by all accounts, he sat in a meeting with Mourinho, looked him in the eye and more or less said, you said that I wasn't training hard enough. You're talking shit. I want you to sell me. Um, and I think that that speaks to a character who's prepared to speak their mind if they think that something isn't right. So, so yeah, so I don't think it's it's quite as out of character. I think that maybe it's City... Um, we're quite lucky in that we've got quite a stable, since Mancini's gone, the whole Pellegrini thing and then the Guardiola thing, it's been very stable behind the scenes. And that's part of that whole holistic thing that Khaldun talks about. You know, you kind of, you don't talk out of turn. We run the club like that. And so we don't hear a lot of that sort of stuff anymore. But I guess it does go on at other football clubs as well, um, as well as at international level. Um so yeah, that's that's kind of my vibe on it. I was it definitely made me raise my eyebrow and I laughed because do you rate Roberto Martinez? No. Yeah, no. no, me either. He's he's just a bit it was a weird decision by the Belgian FA um to give him that job. Yeah. So so yeah, I I uh and, and I think it's a I do, do what how do you think that reflects upon Martinez? at this particular moment in time, bearing in mind that we're now just six, seven months away from a World Cup. Yeah, well, not very well, basically. <laughs> but, I mean, of course, he could have told him this in private, couldn't they? Yeah, they could have got together and said, we're not happy with how the team's playing. So it does, the fact he's gone public does, doesn't look good on Martinez at all. So Yeah. yeah uh, but, no, yeah, definitely. he has been pretty bolshy recently, uh, Kevin. He's... Uh, Silver dragging him away from referees of time. Uh, and there was something about it being compared to Messi Ronaldo or something the other week, you know, a few days ago. I only 
read it in passing. He said, I don't care in the slightest about it. Yeah, it's rubbish, these comparisons. I just get on with my game and it's like... So, yeah, he's quite single-minded and just wants to do his own thing, doesn't he? But mm. you can see, you can sense the... Belgium have got a great opportunity here next summer. You know, and you can sense that maybe it's not all going to plan. Uh, no, And what absolutely. waste it would be if they just, you know, peter out of that competition. Yeah. I think also they they miss company. I mean, it goes without saying, but they're just... I, I think that company papers over a lot, a lot of cracks yeah. um, for them. And when he's not available, those cracks get exposed and they need to be tactically better and i think that's where where martinez fails uh, okay hey listen one more thing before we talk about leicester uh, i wanted to ask you for those who don't subscribe to the 9320 player you did a series of history shows um with colin savage aka Presswitch blue um about the joe mercer malcolm allison years at city which was our previous what i would consider to be our previous sort of halcyon days or glory years. Um, how was that? Do you enjoy doing those pods? Yeah, I mean, enjoyed doing the research as much as the show itself. Uh, obviously, I didn't speak much because Colin just is encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, obviously, he'd done some research himself, but uh, being a more, even more mature than me, he had a better knowledge of, <laughs> he was there, he bought the T-shirt and all that, so... Uh, Whereas I didn't, I hadn't quite been born yet. Uh, I just found, first of all, I found just reading up on it beforehand fascinating, just how little I knew, really. Uh, you know, I knew of the the honours, I knew of some, you know quite a few of the players, but did I really know about that period? No, not at all. And it's, you know, possibly one of, it's one of the most important periods in our history. Mm. Uh, and really from, you know, from a low point as well uh, at the beginning. Yeah, it was just... Found out stuff about their lives, uh, their characters, and a lot of the players that I just didn't know before. Really fascinating stuff to go back. Uh, it's not just, you know, amazingly, it's not just about uh, 2008 onwards. We do actually have and you know, quite a, a fascinating history. And to hear Colin talk about it, the little anecdotes as well, was just uh, brilliant to hear. Uh, and I also put a, a plug in for. I mean, you can't get the book. Gary James, you know, did dip into his, you know, he's done a, a book of the whole the history of City, which is very hard to get hold of. Yeah. But it's also, you know, some, you know it's, I think it's important for, you know, City fans, especially recent ones, to look at what it used to be like. Obviously a different world, but you'd expect that in, you know, 40, 50 years ago, just the way the club was run. Uh, the gates, the attendances of all the clubs, you know, up and down, and the the money involved, like s- scraping together forty thousand to get, you know, Colin Bell, it was just or sixty thousand for Francis Lee. It's uh, sounds crazy now, but uh, and just also fascinated by just yeah, the size of the squad and the conditions they played in, and yeah, it's uh, it was it was quite a hard life for a lot of the players and. You know, just thinking of uh, Francis Lee the day before we signed him, he had threatened to quit Bolton because uh, he was just fed up with the club. And he he already had his waste paper business by then. Uh, and he was actually did a shift collecting waste paper uh, on the day before we actually signed him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, completely different world. There was no security there and players, you know, 
they weren't wealthy. They, yeah, I think they understood what football was giving them, but it, it didn't give them that much security and uh, they didn't have a lot to fall back on if it went wrong. So, yeah, yeah. it's absolutely amazing. It's 10 years, just the stuff that went on is, uh, yeah, not, not a boring moment. It was 10 years. So. I think what we will do over the weekend um, is we will make part one of those three shows available on SoundCloud just for for those people who don't subscribe, they can at least listen to part one and it really gives them an idea of what those talking history shows are like. So yes, I will um we'll do that over the weekend, make one of them available. But yeah, no, they're probably my favourite thing that we've done since we started the nineteen twenty player. Yeah, we've yeah. got it's supposed to be one show originally. <laughs> it became very, very <laughs> apparent that we're, this is not going to be one show. <laughs> Well, to be fair, you and Colin both like to talk as well, so yeah, it's... Uh... I, did, I didn't do much now, but Colin certainly can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right, um, so the Premier League is back, City are back, Leicester away this weekend. Firstly, can I just say, it feels like returning to the scene of a crime after what yeah. happened last season. It really does. It just, I, I just, I, I just have visions of... I actually, rather than having visions of Otamendi, I have visions of my my own face contorted, just screaming at Otamendi. Um, and I was at, when I realised that he was suspended for this game, I was a bit disappointed actually because I felt like this is maybe not a bad moment. He's come a long way in twelve months, hasn't he? It's been eleven, yeah. almost eleven months to the day um, since what I think is arguably his worst performance in a City shirt and he'll maybe his worst performance of his career. Um, so you're disappointed that he can't play? I am because it feels like obviously he's quite a different player from a year ago and he's forged that relationship with Stone. So absolutely, you know, we know it's a problem area that we don't have the depth in. Uh, so yeah, I am disappointed. Uh, I don't think one get... If he plays badly against a certain team, I don't think it necessarily means he'll do the same a year later. Mm. I'd hope he understands the system a bit better, but I couldn't understand what happened last season anyway. I mean, he tried to analyse that opening half hour and it, it just doesn't make sense, to be honest. It was just... Mm. I was actually laughing <laughs> at the, the ridiculousness of it after the third goal went in. It was just like, I don't understand what I'm seeing here. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it's just like what's happening. It's like why, don't think about why have they got much. half a pitch to run into? It's yeah, like don't, yeah. don't think about it too much because it's just you know yeah. it's sleepless it's night you, tonight. Yeah, yeah, you, you're gonna you're not gonna feel well about tomorrow's game, Howard. I know what you're like, so don't think about last season too much. Um, I want to ask a question that was one of the opening questions got fired our way, um, but it relates to the game, so I'm going to put it here. And a few people have asked it, um, but I'm going to go with Walter Smith's version. Hi, Walter. We love you on this show, by the way. Um, if company is n- if company is not fit, is not playing Adarabio sending the wrong message to the other academy prospects? Oh, impossible! Can you answer that? M- my problem with this is I don't know how good he is. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> Do you know I'm what gonna, I mean? Because yeah, yeah, if yeah. you put him in against Wolves alongside Mangala, are we truly seeing how good he is? I'm not convinced he's good enough, City. But I wouldn't know how good he is until if we put him in for five games alongside Stones, then I'll know, is this a guy? You know, until you do that, you don't truly know 
until you truly put him in that first team with a strong team, you don't know how good he is. And I don't know. And for that reason, because I don't know, you know, I prefer, you know, I'm favouring putting someone like Danilo in instead, who I know has been there and done it. Mm. Uh, Does it send out the wrong? Not really. The players have got to believe in themselves. The very best players know that they'll get in. Eventually. Uh, Yeah. Uh, What do you think? I, I just... It can send a wrong message if you've got a top quality youth player and he's, yeah, an injury, a, a slot becomes available and he's not considered. But my problem is, I don't know how good he is. I've not seen enough of him in the right conditions to judge him. Mm. Um, I I think it would send the wrong message if he actually got in because I think that he's miles behind Mangala. He's... He's miles behind Danilo. He's, you know, I'd play Kyle Walker at centre half before I played Adarabayo. Yeah. And I, I, from what I've seen of him, I think that he's got some distance to cover before he can seriously be considered as somebody who going into every league game is just important. They're they all carry equal importance but they're all massively important um and going into a league game i i wouldn't i wouldn't be comfortable putting adarabayo in particularly away against a very difficult opponent like leicester intelligent experienced players like vardy and okazaki uh mares as well it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the kind of moment where you go hey, you know what, let's give this guy who's not kicked a ball in a Premier League game for us ever, let's give him his debut, or maybe he has, but let's give him this really important game and leave, because uh, people can think what they like about Mangala. He's got plenty of weaknesses, but he's got plenty of strengths, and the strengths that he's got are much more developed than the strengths that Adarabayo has. So... And what Guardiola's got to do is pick the best player to give him the best chance of winning that game tomorrow. And and picking Adarabayo over Mangala next to Stones is is not is not the right message. That's the wrong message. That you know. And I just don't see I don't see Pep doing it. And I'm actually uh, when I ask for opening questions, quite a few people ask this, and immediately I was really surprised because I was like really like that's to me that's not a decision that needs to be made the Mm. decision is does Mangala play or does Danilo play or do we go to a back three and Danilo and Mangala play you see what I'm saying like there might be a creative way for Pep to deal with it but I'll I'll, you know I'll eat me left shoe if if the way that Pep deals with it is by sticking Adarabayo next to Stones and leaving everything else unchanged we'll hold you to that so (laughs) it's not much to argue with there Travis I've not I, you know, I say I've still not seen enough, but what I do see doesn't. I don't see much progression at the moment. But uh, maybe better playing somewhere else on loan. You know, I don't know. But yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be very very surprised if he's in the starting lineup. And if he did put him in, I'd want it. And this is not the game to do it. It's uh, it's at home. It's at home to someone where they're you know the opposition barely get the ball. Uh, is when I do, do you it. remember when we've got a double digit lead in the league? Should that ever happen? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Do you remember Mancini playing 
Dedrick Boyata against Arsenal and yeah. Dedrick getting sent off within 10 minutes. Yeah. It was a marginal, it was a marginal. It's funny because that's been in my head because, because of Wenger's incessant moaning over the, over the, um, over the international break. Hey, should we just spend like 30 seconds just calling Wenger a bellend again? Did you read his comments? He's doubled down with his expected goals nonsense. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's getting a bit like, yeah, man sat in a care home just talking about the old days now <laughs> with a blanket over him. <laughs> exactly. Um, twitching. Yeah, go that, that damn Guardiola, and those <laughs> yeah. damn City. Uh, no, but the, uh, he got those I, figures completely wrong as well, which just he makes, did. He, makes it all the more laughable. So he was he was miles off with that. But it, it, that's made me think of you know because I thought I remember at the time thinking it was a bit of a harsh red card, um, and it was ten minutes into a game. So you know the idea that yeah the 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 idea that. Only Man City get results and uh, whatever. Anyway, um, but so if you saw what happened with Dedrick there, he, he, for me, Dedrick wasn't wasn't good enough. He wasn't at the level he needed to be at to play for City. And he got thrown in in a big game and he made a naive mistake and it more or less cost us the game because he got a red card for it. And I just don't think that it would do Adarabayo any good. It wouldn't do, I don't think it would do his development any good. I don't think it would do City any good to throw him in ahead of more senior players in a game like tomorrow's game because precisely because of the competitive nature of the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway. It's um, it's Mangal or Danilo. Uh, would you move would you move to about three? <sighs> no, I don't I want to keep the shape to be honest of what's he could and then Danilo could move forward and drop back onto he could be the the midfield to stroke, or maybe Stones would be though. I don't, I don't know to be honest. Uh, See, I think in a way just changing could... it. Yeah, I mean, yeah I'd, but... I'd be happy if he just got a player suspended and he changes it for another defender. So, I but... see what you're saying, but I do think that, like, I, I do think that. So it could help uh, though, yeah, with their because the. I was going to talk because of yeah. their front line, which is dangerous, isn't it? So yeah, well, I was going to ask you, like, maybe we can talk about what Puel's going to do a little bit and the changes that he's I, made. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm and, actually warming to that suggestion. <laughs> yeah, so um, for me, the interesting thing about what's happened since Puel's taken over, I mean, as a as a coach, he's a good coach. Yeah, his Southampton team gave us some problems. They were very compact. They were very well organized. And they were dangerous on the break. Um, the interesting thing at Leicester is he's come in and he's playing Mares, Okazaki, Damari Gray, and Vardy all in the same side, which immediately, immediately to me, is more progressive than than what Ranieri did and what what Shakespeare did. Um, if their results haven't picked up, their their performances certainly um, since he's come in have improved. Uh, looking at the fact that Otamendi's out. We've got two choices. We go one for one, and we take we take uh, without Amendi being out. We put Vinny in, or we put Mangala in, or we go with three at the back to give us that extra little bit of solidity. So you play with Stones, Mangala, and Danilo, and then you've got Walker and Delph as your wing backs, yeah. and then you've got Fernandinho, KDB, Silva and Aguero and Jesus 
And I think both the wingers miss out. That's not too many players. That's that's right, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? What would you... I'm giving you two choices now, right? The choice is you go my way. We move to three at the back. We play with wing backs. We take both our own wingers out. Yeah. But we play with Aguero and Jesus. Or do we just go one for one and like for like and change it like that? Uh, I don't know, Asa. <laughs> because I want... I like the idea of putting... Guerrero and Jesus back in. Uh, but I want to see Sterling and Sane stretch them, test their defence, which I still think's got its weaknesses. Uh, the you know if we did a one for one and just didn't do the back three, uh, perhaps you'd expect Delph and Walker to be a bit more cautious, uh, stay back a bit, and that's how we become a bit more defensive. And have to time their forward ones a bit more. Obviously, mm. Delph's a bit more disciplined in that respect because he's not a recognised fullback anyway. Uh, but I do. I think I'd rather. I want to see Sane and Sterling. Uh, and I do. My hunch is that he'll put Aguero on the bench after what happened during the break anyway, because I don't think I'm not still convinced. He wouldn't have been swapped for the Arsenal game if he wasn't having a guard of honour and you know a special occasion and all that. So mm. my feeling is stick with the the back four, but there's not much in it. There's pros and cons, isn't there? It will. I think the back three could help. You know, it could help us deal with their forward line, but I'm not sure we'd stretch them as much up front. Could could ruin our rhythm a bit. So what do you think? Would you go right now with that back three? Um. I mean, I mean, it could change it mid-match anyway. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 so difficult to call. I think that um, personally, I would probably stick with what we've got, even if Finney's injured, and I'd play Mangala. I'd just play Mangala and yeah. just go score more goals than them. Do you know what I mean? I'd just i'd 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 have faith in Sterling Sane and Aguero, or Sterling Sane and Jesus, or Jesus Aguero and Sterling, or whatever the combination of those three is. Uh, I'd have faith, particularly as, as Sterling's at a rest. Um, Aguero obviously took the knock to the head, but he sounds like he's okay. Jesus apparently can just play a game every two days. It's not a problem for him to just keep playing and keep running. So I think from a fitness point of view, I think those attackers will be fine. So yeah, no, I think... I would lean towards um, just sticking with the way that we've been playing. But I do wonder with Guardiola, we did start the season playing with three at the back and and Pep does like to change things around. And I do wonder whether he looks at that situation and he looks at the way Leicester are playing and he looks at what happened last season as well. And, you know, almost, almost as a stubborn kind of, almost like a stubborn call to go, I'm playing three at the back again. I played it last season and, and we got absolutely rinsed. I'm going to play it this season and show that we can play it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Why did he say last season? I don't think we defended that badly. Is he just playing mind games? <sighs> I mean, was it just a freak half hour of ridiculous football? Nah, I mean, look... I, I don't think that. I think there's a. There's I a just lot. remember the space. Sorry, I just remember yeah. huge I, swathes of space. <laughs> gaps everywhere. Massive, massive gaps everywhere. Um, 
I don't think that I don't think it's in Pep's nature to hang players out to dry. Mm. But I think anybody who's got two eyes and watched that game will know that we defended like like Muppets and the players didn't know what they were meant to be doing. And that's probably why because that's on Guardiola for me. I think yeah. that when when one player looks like he's out of his depth, you can sort of go, ooh, that player's out of his depth. When collectively the team look like they're out of their depth, that's always on the manager. And I think that Pep will have known that that was on him. Um, whatever they did on the training pitch, whatever he said before the game, it didn't work. Um, so that's probably why he came out afterwards and said that they didn't defend that badly because he probably didn't want to hammer them too much um but yeah no i uh, it was really bad it was like yeah. why are we talking about that game again i don't know i don't know it's it's, so it's making me anxious don't know it does, it does make me feel like when i think about you know again mares i think that i think the thing is that defensively leicester are what they are uh i think we've talked we raved about Maguire at the top uh wes morgan is what he is as a center half he's 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 he won the Premier League two years ago, so he's not a shit defender. He's meeting potatoes, but he does meeting potatoes at, at seven or eight out of ten every week. Um, so there's going to be a challenge at both ends for us. There's, there is going to be the challenge in terms of breaking them down, and there also is going to be the challenge at the other end. Because if you look at the pace of Vardy, Damari, Gray, and Mares, and the work rate of Okazaki, the pressing of Okazaki, those are two things that, normally you would look at this city side and go, we could be vulnerable to those things. Yeah. So, and then you've got Claude Puel who tactically is Guardiola will know is that, that Puel's a manager who tactically will have them set up spot on. You do wonder whether he mixes it up. You do wonder whether this is the moment after this long, long run of almost being completely unchanged in system and personnel that we take that this game after the international break, we, we, uh, we change it. So yeah, that, that would be my, uh, that would be my vibe. Hey, whilst we, we just mentioned in Vardy, um, looks a bit out of his depth playing for England. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, a bit. I feel as though his limitations are, 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 are exposed like quite. <sighs> yeah. It depends on the, yeah, it's not really playing to his strengths though, is it? He wants to be, he wants the ball over the top, doesn't he? That's what he wants. Just, to run on to, mm. so and he's just not getting that opportunity. He's not. We all know he's not an all-round player, is he? He's got very particular skill set, and he's damn good at that. And yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. I definitely have him in the squad, but I wouldn't be looking for him to be a starter. It could be a quite a handy sub, really, because with that pace, yeah, we're against a time in defence. That's when he might have his use. But yeah, it doesn't. Obviously, he's played his national side and not going to play not going to be built around his strengths are they uh, yeah no absolutely uh, but yeah he's, uh, he's definitely worth a place in the squad though so okay um, do you think that when when you've got a lead like City you've got at the top of the league right now it and the fact that we've come off the back of that very impressive performance against Arsenal that was impressive mainly because we didn't really get out of second or third game we still beat them is the international break a good or a bad thing for the players yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was bad. I think they'd have wanted to just keep going at that point, uh, because you want to roll, aren't you? So, I mean, in fact, I was desperate for another game immediately. I'm sure they feel pretty similar. So, you just want to keep going, don't you? So, yeah, I'd, to be honest, they don't want to be playing in friendlies anyway, do they? So, no, 
I mean, he wants I to d- be playing in that, so. Yeah, no, I, I take that on board, but I do think that we weren't quite as fluent in the last sort of two or three fixtures before the break came than we had been previously. Yeah, but... Um, go on. Sorry, I'm butting in again. That's okay. But to beat Arsenal, I think... I think that's that for the players will be a big result. You know, Arsenal aren't expected to win the league anymore, perhaps. But the players will be buzzing after that result. And I think yes. that would want them to say, you know, come on, let's let's have another league game. Let's keep playing. Uh, even if that fluency wasn't there. But yeah, if they've been taken easy in these friendly games, it could help us uh, because fatigue-wise, because I do think there have been small signs of just a drop-off there, haven't there, so. Mm. I think Raz and, and Delph both withdrawing from international duty was yeah. was was a clever move. Um, hopefully they're not yeah. injured. <laughs> assuming you know, they're actually fit now, ex- yeah. Exactly. Like we're, we're saying that as we're assuming that they're fit. Uh, but if they are fit, uh, then yeah, that was probably a, a clever a clever move for them. Um, okay. What about what about a prediction about what's actually going to happen tomorrow? Uh, firstly, before I ask you for a score prediction, how do you feel about the game? You, you, you confident, apprehensive? What's the? How would you characterize your emotions going into tomorrow's game? I am quite apprehensive because our record's terrible. Uh, mm. But hey, if we're going going into this game with eight point lead, you can't really ask for more than that. I think it's our most difficult game in the next four or five. So I think this is yeah. If we won this one, I think it's just yet another. Box ticked. It's another statement of intent. If you think of the games coming up after it, it's, mm. a, it's a pretty huge win. And I don't think a draw is an absolute disaster, even though I would be disappointed. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a damn tough game. This because they, they are a good side. They are. They've got. You look through that squad and you think it's a pretty good squad. That's not going to win the title, but it's a damn good squad. And at home, they are a very tough team to beat. I reckon for the rest of this season. Howard, I'm offering you a 2-2 draw with no injuries right now. Would you take it? No. Good lad. Good lad. A year ago, you'd have taken that, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I reckon a year ago, you'd have taken 2-2 away at last time. Well, this time, we were third this time last year, so probably needed yeah. the points more, so maybe not. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, okay, give me a score prediction anyway, just for a laugh. Mr. Positive here, uh, the nerviest, tightest 1-2 victory for City, Manchester nice. City. Um, I would, I, I'm going to do something I've not done this season so far. I'm going to not predict a City win. I think <sighs> tomorrow is going to finish a draw. Yeah. Um, uh, it'll be a scoring draw. I'll probably go with 2-2. Um, in fact, I will go with 2-2, yeah, but I think it's going to, Things can end a draw tomorrow. Yeah. But hopefully I'll be proven wrong. I can't believe okay. it's not on the TV either. It's just it's just an obvious game to put on. I, I cannot see this being a boring game, let's put it that way. Yeah. And it, no, just, it just shouts live game, you know, even for a neutral. I think, oh, this will be interesting. Uh, strange decision, but there you go. Mm. It's been the, there's been a lot of dross yeah. on the, the Sunday games. There's been uh, a lot, a lot of dross on the Sunday games. So, you know. Yeah, not surprised. Um, it is, however, on French television. Even though I'm not in France, but <laughs> hopefully I'll be able to find a way to uh, 
to watch it via my service. Anyway, um, I wanted to wrap this up by in preparation for what will be the return next week of the real transfer talk podcast. Um, wanted to get you to have a little look forward at the January transfer window. The question I've got for you is we ended the last window without, we wanted a backup left back, uh, a center half and a forward. And we didn't get any of those three players for you. Which position is the most important in January and which player or players do you think we should be targeting? Uh, well, it's, it's a defensive one. So toss a clean uh, left back probably. Yeah, I'm I'm speechless. Really, yeah, you're going to say central defender? Well, what what's Delft done wrong? Oh, nothing. Am I going to have to jump to Delft's like defense again? Like he's looked like a Champions League level left back since he's come into the side. Why would we buy another one? Because you need more. <laughs> because he's injury prone, <laughs> and he's what? not had an injury since he's come into the side. Yeah, I know, but he is injury prone and the other left back won't be playing this season. So I don't want us to buy big, but I think okay. it, we could do with strengthening there. Uh, and Danilo, well, I mean, Danilo can play there, but again, that's a real stopgap because he's, I don't think he feels comfortable there. So it's just backup. We're, we're only looking for backup, aren't we? Uh, and central defender, well. I'm only really worried because I think it's a tough game, but yeah, that Otamendi's out. But you know, wouldn't be that big a deal if we say at home to Southampton or someone. You just say, well, we'll put <laughs> we'll put company in if fit, or we'll put Mangala in, and there you go. You know, we'll have to make do until next summer. Uh, mm. I still think left back. We're not far away from you know having a problem in that position. Do you think that we need? Um, so I think. I, I take your point. I take your point about the fact that we need a backup left back. Yeah. Do you think at centre half? Because obviously last summer there was a real feeling that we needed to go out and buy a Benucci, that we needed a Van Dyke, we needed a leader, we needed a world class centre half. Um, do you think that that position has shifted slightly with the way that Otamendi has performed since the season began? And what I mean by that question is. Not that we don't need a centre half, but more the idea that we don't necessarily need to go out and spend 55, 60 million pounds on Virgil van Dijk. We could go and we've been linked, for example, with a lad whose name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce right now from Leon, a centre half who's like 18, 19 years old, has been performing at a really high level for Leon for about 12 months now. Um, is very, very highly rated, but he's a young player with a, a, a heap of potential. Um, would you do that sort of thing with the way that Otamendi's performing or do you still think Otamendi needs to be added and we need another, you know, top world-class centre-half? No, I agree. I think it has definitely changed the situation uh, because if they are playing this well, what's the point of spending £60 million on Van Dijk? You could just have three very great defenders and then you, you alternate because, you know, well, as we've... As we say repeatedly, there's will be one of them injured, suspended, or unavailable, you know, needing a rest a lot of the time during the season. So, but as soon as he went for Evans, maybe the maybe that was desperation, or maybe they'd shifted shifted the way they were thinking about it. And I think, yeah, you know, you'll call on Maguire. 
that could be the type of player that they might shift rather than going for Benucci, who's having a horrendous time apparently anyway. Uh, yeah, I would hope they'd step back because I don't, I personally, my mindset's changed. I don't think we need some, we don't need a 29 year old Italian who's been there, done that. I'd much rather we did that, went for that young, up and coming star, yeah. That would be my personal view. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, uh, Cheeky and, and Pep have changed their view as well. Mm. I just, I wonder whether they, I mean, I don't know why I've got so much love for Delph, but I've just got like a ridiculous amount of love for Delph. And it just, I'm beginning to think that I just look at his performances and I go, if he go, if he remains injury free between now and the 1st of January, I don't know if you do buy, because what do you do with the player that you sign? Like, and what do you do with Delph? You see what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. what I'm trying to get at is that I think that maybe Delph might quietly be becoming our backup left back, but we won't uh, know that if we sign a backup left back on the 1st of January, then regardless of how Delph is playing, you would assume that that left back just automatically gets in because we've just signed him. And because Delph was a stopgap until yeah. we signed another left back. And, I, and then I d- suddenly you're back to sort of going, well, we've got this English player who's rated. Some say he's good enough. Some say he's not good enough. He's had some injury issues, but his career is again, almost put on hold. Whereas right now I really feel like Guardiola's working some like special Guardiola magic. And by next summer, Delph will really be a top player, a top left back for us an excellent squad player and we don't have to then go into the market again and the bonus being that he's English because I'm fairly sure yeah. that if we go and buy a backup left back we're not going to be able to get Ryan Bertrand isn't going to come and be backup left back at, at City no matter how badly we want that I think it's going to be difficult we're going to end up with a foreigner so yeah I guess that that's that's sort of how I feel about that position right now do you think I'm being naive no, it's a, fair, his, it's a fair point because then you're having to drop. If you yeah, you'd have to sign a player without guaranteeing him a first place spot, which isn't easy in January. Mm. So, but you know, I, I disagree with you. If that Gulan was available, I don't care if he's done his cruciate ligament. Anyone can do that to get someone of that class. If he was available next summer on a free, that would be my option. Uh and instead maybe just get a, a wise old head of central defender in in January. Doesn't have to be a big name, just someone who can do a job. Yeah. There's a bloke at, there's a bloke at West Brom who I hear is really popular. Ooh. <laughs> God, Sorry, no. listeners. I don't, Sorry, listeners. I don't particularly rate Bertrand, to be honest. I mean, I don't think he's bad, but, you know, 30 million for him would not fill me with joy, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Like, he I've... showed his limitations for England as well, so... That's really harsh, that, Howard. Very, very harsh. But then I don't think Van Dyke's 60 million. I don't think he's proven it. I mean, he might be. He might be the answer to everything. But, you know, I don't think we've seen anywhere near enough of him at a top level to know that, so... No, that's... I think that... I think that the the sort of fees that were being quoted last summer, nobody was going to be worth that. Um, I'm surprised about what you said about Bertrand. I think he's been just as good as Rose. And I think the only reason that Rose as gets the hype Rose gets is because he plays for the hypiest of hype clubs in England. Um, I think that if, if Bertrand played for for Spurs, he'd, he'd be being talked about as a, as a 50 million pound fullback. I think mm. the only reason he doesn't is because he plays for, for Southampton. No, nah, not for me, but 
don't know. Fair enough. We no. can't always agree on everything, Howard. Yeah, he's only 30 million. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, final question on the transfer window, just very quickly. Do you think it's important to strengthen from a position of strength? Um or is it a waste to buy a player? Just in general, like, do you think there can be just a positive effect? Because I've read a lot of, I've read two sides to this, right? I've I've read a lot of people who have said that mistakes that we've made in the past is that when we've been doing well, we've not gone out and bought well in those moments. Yeah, the Mancini, that, after winning the title with Mancini, yeah. we had, I don't know, we'll buy Scott Sinclair. Might have got the wrong year, but our, our summer... No, no, that's the year. That's the our year. summer that's, signings that's the summer. were... Yeah, it was, Rodwell Sinclair, um, yeah, that, that window. But also after Pellegrini wins the league and and we buy Mangala and I don't remember who else that summer, but we had FFP yeah, restrictions. We, yeah, we buy when, after a bad season, we don't do it from strength. So mm. Yeah, you so do. do. You, you think, have to keep it fresh and you have to keep the competition there. So, And can that work mid-season as well? So what I'm asking here is, do you think that when you're doing as well as we're doing right now, it, let's say that we go into this into on the first of January and we're already eight points clear. Do you think that there can be a positive effect to signing for? Let's use Sanchez as, as an example. Let's say that uh, Arsenal decide we, we're definitely going to take some money for him now. We, we don't want to let him go for free, even if it's just twenty million. We'll take the twenty million. Um, do you think that can have a positive effect, or do you think it can go the other way? Because again, I've 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 read people saying that. Um, Sanchez could be like Rodney Marsh. Do you know what I mean? For yeah. example. So, what's your feeling there? Do you do you think that do you think that strengthening from a position of strength is always a good thing, or do you think it can sometimes have an unsettling effect mid-season? Yeah, I'd rather it was done in the summer. But to be honest, if Sanchez becomes available in January, you just get him anyway because every other team wants him and get him for free. So mm. you have to, sometimes you have to buy a player when they're available. Uh, and if a cut price, yeah, cut price like that, twenty million, twenty five, then you do it. I don't think it's is it really going to have a huge effect. I don't think it makes much difference to Sterling, Sane, and the likes, Aguero, Jesus. There's already huge competition there. They're in a World Cup year. They just uh, well, Sanchez isn't. Uh, but the others, yeah, they want to play for the countries. They'll be fired up. They've got tournament. Yeah, they've got uh, lots of trophies to play for. I think they'll just remain at that competitive level. I don't think one player totally uh, hinders the way. I don't think it'll just knock everyone out of sync, to be honest. Uh, obviously, it will mean a bit less time on the pitch, so depends how every individual player reacts. But I don't think, team-wise, you know, and morale and I just don't see it having much of a difference. Okay. What do you think, sir? Um, do you think they'll unsettle them? or No. No, I think I, I, I think that if we can buy one player in the window, well, I, I don't. I'm not actually. I look at those three positions: centre back, left back, and and attacker. And I go right now. I wouldn't want to decide which one's a priority. They maybe we need players in all those positions. Maybe we don't need players in any of those positions. We don't know. Pep knows better. We don't know how fit people are. We don't know what's going on with Delph, all that sort of stuff. But what I would say is that in the position that we're in, going into January, it'll put the fear of God in the rest of the league if City turn around and buy a player in January. Doesn't matter who the player is, any player, whether it's Sanchez or it's the young lad from Lyon 
or it's uh, a left back from Spain, the, yeah. the lad from Sociedad, whose name escapes me right now, who we've been linked with. Uh, bringing another player in to strengthen our squad will give the existing players, I think it gives them, always gives you a lift if you've got another quality player coming in. Um, and I think that it sends the right message out to the rest of the league. I think, you know, I, I, never, I never thought about the idea of City dominating the Premier League over a period of time. I kind of look at this current side and I look at the way that it's developing and the way it's, that it's evolving. And I think that we can get ourselves to a stage where by the start of next season, 60% of the league games that we play the teams are beaten before they before they take the pitch, yeah. and all they want to do is make sure they don't take a tonkin. Um, and that psych once you've got that psychological edge, which I think Bayern Munich have, Barcelona have it, Real Madrid have it, the old United sides used to have it as well, without question. Once you've got that psychological edge, then you're winning. Then you're really, you know, then yeah. you can start thinking about potentially we could be the dominant side in this league over a period of time. Um, but it's getting to that stage where sixty percent of the sides that you're playing they're beaten before they take the pitch, and I think that's you know how you be a, when you sign players, the players that you sign, as well as how you play, as has a lot to do with that. So, so yeah, no, I, I would definitely buy one just to give everybody a big, big lift right. from a position of uh, from a position of strength. Yeah. Okay. Um, that covers everything bang on an hour mr hawking well, hey. i like that um to every well, firstly to you howard thank you very much a pleasure as always you have a lovely weekend to everybody who <laughs> listened thank you very much have a lovely weekend we will be back on the 9320 player on monday with a review of our leicester performance which will go ahead tomorrow um if you've not subscribed already go to 9320.com and click subscribe it's four pounds a month and you get tons and tons of content all the transfer talk podcasts starting next week they will be on the 9320 player all the history pods that we do yeah just loads of stuff on there i don't think you're going to want to miss out as the uh, as this wicked season unfolds so yeah thanks for listening and we'll be back very soon